Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Tentatively. Someone say amen. 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 And with that being said, uh, let me again to explain where we are. Whenever we talk about standards, standards are for everyone, but you might not be at the stage where you can apply that to your life. What I mean is this I got two kids. One is a whole lot older than the other. And as Mariah got older, we kind of taught her, uh, you know, you need to keep your room picked up. And uh, we tried to initialize that from a very childhood up, although she didn't do it very well when she was just a youngster. We, we tried to implement it then, but she would get it someday, someday she didn't. A lot of times we were picking up after her. Can any parents know what I'm talking about this morning? But as she got older, she began to learn that and matured and understood that she would do it. Well, Trevor came along. And with Mariah, Trevor's coming along, and he's young, so we're doing the same thing with him. Mariah's older now. She sees us, though, then having to pick up when he was younger after him, and she's like, that's not fair. Well, we tried to explain to him, you're older, you're more mature. He's younger. He doesn't quite got the concept or the idea yet. So until then, we're kind of helping him along. Well, now he's at a stage. He knows they know very well because Sunday, Sunday is tornadic for the McGee family. Okay, you got service in the, in the morning, you got service in the evening. Me personally, I'm usually here all Sunday afternoon. All right, so I'm not touching anything at the house except for something for breakfast, basically, and something for lunch. And so as a result of that, they know Monday when they come home from school, guess what the first thing after homework is? You're going to pick up your rooms, both of them, because now he's at age, he can do that. Well, what I'm saying this morning is this is kind of that concept. This might be something you say, man, I just don't get this. Well, you might be young in God, not really knowing how to apply that or see that. But as you grow older in God, uh, you should be able to apply that because it is good for you whether you're an infant or whether adult. And the Lord just like picking up the room. The principle is good. The principle is good that you should be responsible for that. Now, it's applicable, though, as they get more mature and older. So what I'm saying this morning, the principle that I'm bringing forth today, it's good. But its application for you, if you're just starting out in Christ, might be even as you get a little older in Christ and see the application and feel those things. Everybody okay? Amen. This fell on a great day, Pastor Appreciation Day, for, the, for me to be able to speak about this subject matter uh, this morning. Just a tremendous, tremendous day. I will now go to the Word of the Lord. And let me say this. This is not the message you go to people outside of this building trying to win them to God with. That, that's unwise. That is ignorant. If they've not been born again of the water and the spirit and have repented their sins, this, this, this doesn't even come on the table because having received the gift of the Holy Ghost, being born of the water and the spirit and have repented of your sins is first and, 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 first and foremost. As we've said in previous lessons, that Holy Ghost that comes, that holy sanctionizing things as holy, how can you be holy without the Holy Ghost? All right, and so this is not something that we win people with, amen, quite possibly you would destroy them with, all right, amen, because they're at not at a level maturity in Christ, and please, whenever I say maturity, I'm talking about a spiritual facet, I'm not, you know, there's adults that come in here that's immature in the Lord, because they're just starting their relationship uh, with the Lord, and so please understand that. Second Peter chapter 3, and I want to read verses 16 and 17, 
uh, just to initialize this a little bit more. Amen today. The Bible speaks these words. As also in all his epistles speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. Which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. What is happening here, Peter is speaking of the Apostle Paul, things that the Apostle Paul had written and spoken. And Peter says there's some things that the Apostle Paul wrote about and spoke about in his epistles that were hard to understand. And he clarifies who it was who, who had trouble understanding these things? And he clarifies the who. Peter says the people who had a hard time understanding these things were, and this, this serves to reason, they were the unlearned and the unstable. The unlearned and the unstable had a hard, things, hard, had a hard time understanding some of these things that Paul wrote. And so it goes to, to reason this morning you've never been exposed to God's word or just an iota of it and you come to the house of the Lord and we speak on some of the things I'm going to be speaking on today it might be hard for some to understand based upon the premise that they are unlearned when it comes to the scriptures or the word of God all right and so the Bible says that they rest or they wrestle the unlearned and the unstable wrestle with some of these things I found that to be true in the years of, of growing up in the church that people with matters that I'm speaking about today wrestle with these things particularly the unlearned but please don't negate the unstable the unlearned and the unstable wrestle with these things. So if this is the first time again that you've heard about holiness standards, let me tell you, please don't let this scare you. Amen. We're just going to go to the word of the Lord. Amen. An application for you may come at another specific time in your life. But look at verse 17 as well, Sister McGee. He says, ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, he said, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. He says, even, he says, so the unlearned and the stable have problems with some of these things. But he goes on to tell us in verse number 17, those that knew this before, we're talking now about the learned and the stable. He says that they know these things, they understand these things, but still he puts a cautionary note there. Beware to the learned beware to the stable because wicked people will try to sway you away from what you have stood for in God's word and what's been made plain to you what you've learned and understood and become stable in in God's word and again folks I have witnessed this in the life of the church I'm just talking about this church but in the life of the church people being swayed away from what they had learned and what they were stable in aforetime if you remember last week when we talked about the subject matter of holiness remember that there were holy places and holy things and holy people whenever they were anointed and set apart holiness being set apart for the work and the will and purpose of God you remember that well with that you will see that standards you will see that standards are an opportunity to be set apart for God's purpose in God's ways as well amen standards are the results of being separated standards are the results of being set apart for God and for his use and purpose again you're leaving the realm of the common 
and entering into the realm of the uncommon because you're distinct, you're set apart for the master's use and for his glory. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19, the Bible says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple? Everybody say the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which ye have of God and ye are not your own verse 20 for ye are bought with a price that price was blood the blood of Jesus we know from scripture therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit pausing for effect amen which are God's hallelujah so he says your body body is the temple Old Testament times, remember, the temple in the Old Testament was anointed. All the furnishings, everything in it, anointed with holy oil, made the tabernacle, the temple, everything in it, therefore, holy, set apart for God's use and his purpose. Our body, which is now the temple, we had an Old, Old Testament literal structure temple in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, that temple becomes, it's your body, my body. Now this temple, in the Old Testament, it was set aside and sanctioned as holy unto the Lord. In the New Testament now, this temple should be set aside and sanctioned as holy unto the Lord because we've been anointed with an oil too, the Holy Ghost, been anointed with the Holy Ghost, and so we're set apart for the Lord. And the purpose of the Old Testament temple, and I made mention of this in, in uh, the, the foreground of a service here, I think it was Wednesday or a week or so ago, speaking about what the sanctuary, the temple was for. God made very, very, a very good note about what he wanted that temple to be for in Exodus 25. He said, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among you. Make the temple, make the sanctuary that I can dwell among you because a holy God's going to come to a holy place. Amen? A holy God's going to come down to a holy place. And so in the New Testament, these temples are wholly set aside for the purpose of God again because he wants to come down and dwell among his people. Someone say amen. And so he said in verse 20 now, he said, you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God. Everybody say, in your body and in your spirit. So in your body is basically something that could be external, and in your spirit is something that is internal. The Bible says in Psalms 24 in verse number 3, and we have a lot of scripture, but Psalms 24 in verse 3, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Now the hill of the Lord, that's the place where Jerusalem was. That's the place where the temple, the tabernacle was. All the holy things are. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand? Look now, it particularly says, his holy place, that set aside sacred place. Who? Who's going to do that? And it answers it in verse number five, or four rather. The Bible says, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he that hath clean hands, again, something external, and a pure heart, something internal. Purity or cleanliness on the exterior and on the interior, that's the one that will ascend the heel of the Lord and go into the holy Play. So our bodies are not something that we can take for granted. I know we think mommy and daddy gave them to us, but our bodies is not something that we can take for granted whenever it comes even to the spirit and the presence and the holiness of God. Amen. God wants to live in sacred places in your body 
which is the temple of the Holy Ghost, is one of those places. And so we got to be careful. Uh, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, it's speaking concerning uh, eating food that is sacrificed to idols, which was uh, something that was not endorsed. Uh, God's people, the Gentiles that served false gods, they had ate food that was that was sacrificed to idols, but whenever they came under the faith and were born again of the water and the spirit, the apostle, in writing to these churches, he tells them, you, gotta be, you can't do what you once done. You can no longer eat food that are sacrificed to idols. That's a no-no. And he basically says in so many words in 1 Corinthians 8, and I think it's verse 7, he speaks about their conscience being weak is defiled. A weak conscience, a weak conscience will bring defilement into your life, weak ethics, weak morals, weak standards, might I say. Uh, all those things will subject you to a spirit of compromise or in spiritual insecurity in your life. Our, conscious, our conscience needs to be awake, folks. Our conscience needs to be awake and stirred up and alert. We got to be on guard. Standards, the problem is people view it as something that keeps them from doing something or going somewhere rather than considering them walls of protection that keeps you safe and keeps you protected. Uh, this many years ago, back in 1986, anybody ever heard of the, the whole affair that took place at Chernobyl, Chernobyl, Russia? Maybe not. You may remember it vaguely, maybe in some of your history classes. But at Chernobyl, Russia, back in 1986, there was a nuclear power plant in Chernobyl, Russia. And they were going to do some experiments. And when they were going to do these experiments, uh, Brother DePriest, they disabled some of the safety devices upon this nuclear power plant. And when doing that, and they started their experiments at this nuclear power plant, within 36 seconds, there was a nuclear meltdown at that power plant that blew a two million pound cement lid off of one of the containers uh, that was there. As soon as that happened, the atmosphere was filled with nuclear fallout. For three weeks, it was up in the atmosphere. As a matter of fact, they say radiation was thrown as far as a mile into the atmosphere. From the winds that were blowing, it went through many countries around about Russia. Some, they say, even reached the east coast of the United States of America. This radiation went so far. And so with that up in the air for three weeks, within that process, it rained within that three weeks. So all those radiation and toxins that were in the air, whenever it rained, it came down, brought toxins to the soil, brought toxins to the drinking water, and all of the area around Chernobyl, Russia, which was about 37 million acres, even today lies as a wasteland because of all the nuclear fallout that happened right there. Animals were affected. People were affected. They say even today that over 2 million people have been infected as a result of that back in 1986, and the numbers still increase, and they draw a line directly to the Chernobyl happening. And so they say it's not over yet. There will still be people that have things go on their body that will be a result of that, which happened all the way back in 1986. What I'm saying is this this morning, folks, that generations of people were affected by this happening in 1986 Still people may be infected by this, this, this nuclear explosion and listen to me very clearly, it may have been permitted, it may have been 
prohibited if they only kept the safety measures on rather than disabling them. Someone hear me right now. All of that took place because they're going to do some experiments and we're going to disable some of the safeties. And as a result, generations of people are affected as a result of it. There is a grand importance from that illustration alone than in the safeties that we have in our own life and standards for the church are that safety. Amen. We can protect generations of people, amen, and the church with those safety measures put in place. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 16, David says in verse number 5, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. The Bible translation called God's Word states it like this. The Lord is my inheritance and my cup. You are the one who determines my destiny. That's good. And your boundary lines mark out pleasant places for me. Indeed, my inheritance is something beautiful. David is saying this, saying, God, you gave me a land that I should live in. You put boundaries on that land. You said, this is mine, and I should not really transgress past those lines and these lots and these boundaries. This is coming from a man that knew what it was like to cross over the spiritual boundaries in his life. He knew what it was like to look upon a woman, lust after her, named Bathsheba, commit adultery with her. He knew what it was like to kill a man in cold blood, per se. He knew what it was like to transgress those lines. And David, having been there, done that, got the t-shirt, he says somewhere along the line in Psalms, God, he says, whenever I considered those boundary lines again that you have given me, they are pleasant because understand something, you're determining my destiny. You're helping me get to where I need to get and those are there for my own good. Those are established, amen, with my safety in mind. They help determine, he said they're even beautiful. The very thing that he may have looked at before and said, this is, this is a bunch of bondage, this is a bunch of incarceration. David, after having his fall, his mess up in his life, had stepped over the boundary, now goes back and looks at it and says, wait a minute, I got a different opinion concerning this. This is beautiful. This is beautiful because this is going to help me reach my destiny, my God-given destiny. Can someone say amen? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, notice the three things that John identifies here, three enemies, I might even say, to our salvation that John identifies. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Amen. He said there's three things in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Whenever we practice standards of holiness, standards of holiness, when we practice that, we're guarding our body, we're guarding our soul, we're guarding our spirit from these enemies if you will, that are trying to separate us. And that is, in fact, what they're doing, trying to separate us from God. Uh, whenever we keep ourselves modest, uh, for one thing, that protects from the lust of the flesh. When we keep ourselves modest, that protects from the lust of the eyes. 
uh, whenever we keep ourselves modest, that also protects from the pride of life because some people take pride in how they are or how their bodies form and they want to flaunt it if they got it. Amen. And they get an ego and a pride in how they look and that protects from the pride of life. And so uh, the word of the Lord teaches us, and this is good for men and for women, that we should try to adopt and live men and women in our apparel to live modestly. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter number 2, because again, in doing so, it's protecting us. Uh, whether directly or indirectly, it's protecting us from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In 1 Timothy 2 and verse number 8, I would like to start with verse number 8. He says, I will therefore that men, everybody say men, pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without Ralph, wrath ready, not Ralph, without wrath and doubting. Maybe Ralph needs prayer this morning, is he? You know, talking about men and they, we don't have anybody attention. I think it's named Ralph, but you never know. In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Go back to verse number eight, if you will, Sister McGee. Now, the reason that these things are, are, are positioned as they will, it seems like, man, it goes on to the woman and starts talking about uh, modesty and it starts talking about uh, gold and pearls and costly away and shamefacedness shame and sobriety. But when it spoke about the man, it began to speak about that he lift up holy hands in prayer and in worship and, and that it, without wrath, the Bible says. And here's the reason being, folks, because as men and women, we fight things personally differently. Holiness for men many times is not the modest apparel struggle as much as it is the modest behavior struggle. Amen. Because a lot of times what men have problem with are their actions. Uh-huh. For instance, he said that men everywhere would lift up holy hands. Uh, no man go help me today now, are you now? Men everywhere uplift holy hands. A problem sometimes we see through the male gender is being the spiritual leader of his home with prayers and supplications. Uh-huh. Being the leader, spiritual leader of your home in worship. That is a problem for men. And I'm not saying, man, I'm painting with broad brush. There's exceptions to everything. Amen. But I'm saying the Lord evidently thought so or he went and pinned it in Scripture as so. The problem with men is being the prayer people of their homes and the worshipers of their homes. And he says, look now, without wrath, anger. A big problem for men in society is anger. Not keeping their anger in check. At a, at, I mean, you, you just say the word and men sometimes can be angry that quick, popping off at the mouth or, or even other directions. Some get physical. Thank you, Sister Jessup. <laughs> Amen. And so a holiness factor for the man then is his prayer and his worship being the spiritual leader of the home. For men, it's keeping their attitude and their anger in check, their wrath in check. Amen. Someone say amen. And so then he goes though in verse 9 and he says, in like manner also. So see, there's a connecting of the two here. That sometimes it seems what women struggle with, church, unchurch, is their appearance. How they appear before other women, 
how they think they appear to themselves, how they think they appear to their husband, is the appearance aspect. And here's the thing, and, and I'm walking, help me to walk carefully, Sister McGee. Here's the thing. With that mind, with that being constantly in the back of the mind or upon the mind perhaps of a woman, then sometimes you're willing to sacrifice some things in your own modesty for the approval of your appearance among your peers, among men, even in your household. Amen. And so he says, whereas the men, they, they, and, and they, the men need to watch their apparel as well and their modesty. But he's saying the big key point for them is they need to be the spiritual leaders. They need to watch their anger. And the women, then they have this appearance thing, whether in the church or out of the church, they have an appearance issue that they constantly contend and deal with. He says in verse 10, but which becometh, which, which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Paul basically said, he says, I want men to act like men should act with prayer and worship, with behavior that is appropriate, women to dress modestly and decently, appropriate, amen, uh, appropriate for women who profess to worship the Lord. And again, what I'm about ready to just say in a broad statement, we have other studies that go deeper in here because, folks, I'm just at item number one. I got 12 items to get to. I'm glad everybody, a spirit of depression just fell on you all, and I appreciate that. <laughs> but with that being said, and there's other scriptures we can go to for this, but I, I, this lesson is not permitting me that this morning. So we try, according to God's word, to practice around here to keep our necklines a, a little higher than down where you can start seeing peace in the valley. All right? And we try to keep our skirt lines uh, low enough that we're not playing peekaboo with other items. Amen. We, we try to be modest and decent. We don't try to be suggestive or erotic. All right, kind of mod of, uh, 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 in moderation. And whenever warmer weather comes, we, 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 we try to not start showing more skin but keep our modest standard. I, I know deviating from the world, it's to, it's to start to take some clothes off now because it's warmer. Well, if we're doing that, what makes us uncommon? Separate. Distinct. And please, again, I say this uh, for everybody. If you're there, you're great. If you're not there, maybe you just have to grow a little bit more in the Lord. Don't get frustrated. Please don't get mad at me this morning. Again, it's not me. I'm just talking about God's word. All right? And again, we, we try not to wear our clothes so tight that you can see every crack and crevice. And every wrinkle as you get older. But nor do we wear them so loose that you got to keep picking it up to keep your vertical smile from showing. Amen? My body's the temple of God. My body's the temple of God. It's not the marketplace of the world. It's the temple of God. And so... Uh, just for instance, if I may just go real quickly to this, and, and I plucked this actually out of my, my wife's study that she did on three wigs. The Bible says, in Isaiah, God was passing judgment on Babylon and Chaldea, and there were some royal princes, princesses that were there that were cast down from their thrones. They were royalty, but they were cast down from their thrones, and they were made slaves. So they went from royalty to slaves. And as a result of that, being cast down from royalty to a slave, their bodies, when they became a slave, then became uncovered and exposed to the sight of men. The Bible says in Isaiah 47 and verse 1, this is that occurrence. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. 
sit on the ground. There is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal. That was, the, that was the work of a slave. Uncover thy locks, make bare the leg, and cover the thigh. Pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered. So here it is. Uh, where it was royalty now becoming a slave and so more of an exposure of the body. All right? Yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance and I will not meet thee as a man. As for our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, is his name the Holy One of Israel. So, nakedness or the exposure of that nakedness of the body was synonymous with slavery. Amen. With slavery. Yet royalty, and just think in your mind, think of royalty. Man, they got this garment on. They have a robe on top of that. Royalty is pretty well quite concealed with many garments. Uh-huh. But these daughters have went from the place of royalty of many garments to the place of slavery of being exposed. So the nakedness seemed to become synonymous with exposure while royalty with that of being covered. Amen. So you said, well, we're in bondage. No. If you're in bondage, you're exposed. When you're in royalty, you're covered. Someone say amen. We're children of the Most High God. We're children of the King. Amen. And so again, I want you to understand, if we go back to our Old Testament little type of the tabernacle, it's holy, it's set apart for God's use, God's purpose, everything in it. Amen. All the instruments in it. Each piece of furniture has been anointed, so it's holy. But listen now. Whenever those pieces of furniture were moved outside the privacy of the walls of the tabernacle. Someone hear me. Whenever they were moved outside the privacy of the walls of the tabernacle and they went to their next place where they was going to pitch up the tabernacle, every single piece that was considered holy was covered with skins. They were not seen by the naked eye. If There's a principle. If all those things, when they got outside of the privacy of the walls of the tabernacle, if it was holy, it was covered. Hallelujah until it got set back up into the privacy of the walls. And so whenever I step outside of my private place into the public place, and I'm considered and deemed holy by God, then when I go forth as holy, let me go forth as covered. Someone say amen. amen. Hallelujah. I did not even start my timer today, folks, so we're in big danger here. All right, I'm just going to try to watch the clock. If I can do that, somebody else may help me do that, but please, in just a real nice manner, don't make a show. <laughs> Clearing of the throat, I might get that. I don't know, but just, just be nice about it. <clears throat> number two, item number two out of 12. Here we go today. Uh, whenever we consider the idea and the concept of music, music, Holy people need some holy music. Um, if everybody else is listening to it, then it's common. Right? So I need to indulge in something. The Bible speaks to his lamentations about what we see affecteth our heart. I like to also interject that what we hear affecteth our heart. The Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, it speaks to us, so faith then comes by Hearing, hearing by the word of God. Whenever Moses and Joshua were coming down off the mountain and, and Moses had the Ten Commandments. He had been up there, he got the Ten Commandments. He's coming down from the mount to bring, bring it back to God's people. They encountered something as they began to descend the mountain in Exodus 32. 
And the Bible tells us they had been gone for 40 days and they're coming down the mountain. And the Bible says in Exodus 32 and verse 17, and when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, this is a noise of war in the camp. Moses with a little better discernment, but I think it's interesting that Joshua said that's the noise of war. Now Moses says, and he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. Now I want you to know, what's taking place at the base of the mount are not Beulah land. Oh, I want to see him and I'll fly away. That's going on at the base of the mountain, that type of song. Joshua says, I heard a noise of war in the camp. Moses, with the discernment of God, says, no, it's the noise of them that sing. Now, let's consider the music that was singing because the singing and what was taking place down at the base of the mountain, you know what it brought? This song, this music, brought separation from God. Mm-hmm. It brought death. Mm-hmm. And it brought destruction to many that was there. There was a plague that broke out among them. Because what they had was not the holy song. What they had was not the sacred song. What they had was a song, if you will, of the common man. Now listen to me. Psalms, David says in Psalms 34 and verse 2, he says, I will bless, everybody say bless. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Everybody agree with that? Yeah, you do. It's the word of God. He says, I, I, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Question, how can you have the praise of God on your lips at all times and have praise continually in your mouth if you're listening to music that doesn't glorify him? How can you do that continually upon your lips, in your mouth, in your heart, if you listen to things that do not glorify him? Amen. Set apart people, listen to set apart music, not common music, distinct music. Amen. Uh, the Bible, if you can get me Ephesians 5.19, I think I might have it up there for you. And this is whenever we did our study on the church. That's what Ephesians all concerns. It's a study about all the dynamics of the church. He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, to the Lord the verse just prior to this one had just admonished the people to be filled which literally means controlled with the spirit be filled with the spirit controlled by the spirit a matter of fact the verb actually means that you keep on being filled with the spirit I endorse that uh, let not your time be filled with the spirit uh, yeah I remember it was back in 1999 and that was that uh, that should not be your only time you were filled and controlled by the spirit I admonish you to keep on being filled Keep on being controlled by the Spirit. So he admonishes them, be filled with the Spirit. Well, what happens? That Holy Spirit comes upon you. It sanctions your life as being holy, set apart, distinct, no longer common. And what follows now in verse number 19 is the type of songs in music a Spirit-filled person engages in. Psalms which refer to a set piece of music accompanied with a voice, harp, or other instrument. Hymns which is denoted in the Greek as a celebratory song, a song that celebrates. Number three, spiritual songs, meaning spirit-like or belonging to the spirit or of the nature of the spirit, thus pertaining to that which is spiritual. Amen. Spirit-filled people 
psalms, hymns, and spiritual pertaining to the Spirit, of the Spirit, nature of the Spirit. Here, here's the fifth thing, folks. If you can't sing and make a melody in your heart to the Lord with that song or that music you're listening to, then you need to scrutinize it a little further. Amen. If you can't render it unto the Lord as a celebration song of praise, then you need to scrutinize it a little greater. I know these are hard times that we're talking about right now. Amen. I can feel rocks under my feet. (laughs) Amen. But it doesn't make it any less truthful. Does it make it any less truthful? Amen. Number three. See, we're moving really quickly along now. Evil appearances. First Thessalonians 5.22. The Bible is admonishing us in First Thessalonians 5. It's telling us to know them that labor among us. Know them that labor among us. Uh, that, that watch over you. That admonish you. Know those people. That's what it's advising us. It's telling us to be at peace among ourselves. It's admonishing us to do that. It even admonishes us in Scripture to warn the unruly. I like that because I put that in my mind as a pastor. Apostle told the Thessalonica church that those there, you need to warn the unruly. (laughs) I love y'all. Man. Warn the unruly. And then he follows up then with verse 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. There are certain places I don't go and I stay away from because it might have the appearance of of something evil or inappropriate or that is not right. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.17 if I can further illustrate this with scripture it says wherefore come out from among them and be separate saith the Lord touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Speaking to the church at Corinthians he's saying come out from among them them is them is referring to the world or certain things in other words sometimes there are places that we would go or things that we would do all right that the them are in control of someone listening to me the them are in control of or the them are in charge of and i don't have control all right and sometimes because it's controlled by them my participation in that could cause an appearance of evil for my life. Now, there's some things that just point blank. There's some things that are unclean. I don't need to have no problem with that. What I'm saying is there can be clean things, but them are in control of the clean thing. All right? And so as a result of that, Brother Malone, I abstain to keep from the appearance of evil. Because I'm not common. I'm set apart. Now, I'm not saying I'm on some ego trip. I'm just saying God has his fingerprint upon my life. He has interaction in my life. And I kind of like that. Amen. And so, so sometimes there are times the thing is clean, but the setting is unclean. The setting is not appropriate. Therefore, the whole thing is unclean to me. Because them are in control. Them are operating that. And I can't chance or jeopardize an appearance. Amen. That seems evil. The Bible continues to say in Romans 14, 
In, uh, in verse 16, uh, the apostle Paul is speaking. He's telling us in verse 12 that we're give, we go give account for ourselves. Someone say, I give account for myself. Here, all of you, let me tell you what's going on here. Here's, the, here's a blessed thing. We have this in Scripture. You're going to give account for yourself. And as pastor, guess what? I get to give account for you as well. It's biblical. I get to give account for you as well. Now me, I got to give account for myself and I got a pastor in my life. That's my father. If he ever dies, I got other men in my life that I account for. They're going to give an account for me. But each one of you, you're going to give account for yourselves and then I'm going to give account. Now here is the parallel. Are our accounts going to be in agreement? And here's another thing. Why are you saying what you're saying up there this morning? I'll tell you why. Because you give an account and I give an account. I answer to God for you. And so he's going to hold me responsible with what I say or didn't say concerning this word from across here. And listen, I got enough blood on my hands to deal with my own life rather than the 50 or however many out here. Amen? All right. And so he said, you're going to give an account to God? Verse 13, he tells him, he said, now listen, I don't want you to put any occasion of falling in the way of your brother. So I don't want you to put any occasion of falling in the way of your brother. And he says then in verse 16, let not then your good be evil spoken of. Now, I don't want, I don't want to let what seems to be good to me even be considered evil by somebody else. Because, listen, in the church, we have, we have biblical doctrines, biblical standards. Then we have traditional standards that are set by this church when I say that. I mean, on this platform, we have a certain representation. Some of the things that we have in the standards for this platform, if you ever want to be a participant on the platform, we give you a p- paper. We go through some of the standards that are written in the Word, and we might have some that are not written in the Word. That's just requirement for this platform. Might not be in this Word. And if you think that's a stickler, go, go, go join a place of employment that tell you you don't have to wear a certain uniform. Where I used to work, you had to be clean-shaven. People will do for God what they won't do for God. <laughs> so what I'm saying, that as First Apostolic Church, we have the authority to set a standard for our platform, even if it isn't biblically based. As a church, we have just like any other business has that ability to do that. So you need to have a hat if you work here or a hair in that, or you got to follow that. And what do you do? You do it if you want to participate. And so that's what we have around here. If you want to participate, you'll do that. Now, these things are unchangeable. You're, we're not balking one inch with this. But in addition to that, people have personal convictions. Yeah. Some people might think, you know what? I don't think I need to own television. Bless God, there's just something about that. That ensnares me. I watch things I shouldn't watch whenever I have a television, so I'd be best just not to have one. And that might be your personal conviction, but you can't let your good thing become evil in somebody else's life. Don't try to push your conviction on somebody else, your personal conviction. This is not a personal conviction. This is a God conviction. And there's no pushing left or right with this. It stands as it stands. This is the word that we live by because the Scripture says it's the word we'll be judged by. Someone say Amen hallelujah and so so uh, you don't want to give an occasion occasion to to criticize things we do places we go uh, can sometimes tempt us to do evil or give us an appearance of evil or give us an occasion uh, where others may criticize us number four everybody say four Lamentations 3.15.51 rather I alluded to this mine eye affecteth my heart because of all the daughters of my city. Psalms 101 and verse 3. David said, 
I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work that, of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Job 31 and verse number 1 said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? We got a lot being spoken about with these old oculars right here. Our eyes. The eye affecteth our, our heart. David says, I'm not going to set a wicked thing before mine eyes because I hate those that turn aside to that. I don't, I don't want to follow that path. Job says, I've made a covenant with mine eyes. Why should I even think upon a maid? And so whenever we think about this, let me just call out Hollywood here for a moment. There's certain things that we don't bring into our homes or watch on our computers or on our televisions because our eyes are a gateway into our spirits. Amen? And, and listen, I own a computer, I own a TV, and you've, you've heard the story of Bishop all throughout the years. They all have on and off switches on them. They all have on and off switches on them, and it puts you into control. Uh, computers are probably more vicious than television ever thought of. It's damning families through pornography, gambling, social relationships outside of their holy marriage. Someone hear me? Because we're coming to a day where that's the reason why we got to preach holiness because we could preach instruments all day long, television, computer. No, we got to preach holiness. That is an attitude. That's a mindset. That's, you are in control, but you got to safeguard that because the things you see, the things you watch, internet, computer, whatever, amen, it's going to impact your life. Scripture bears it out. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22, Sister McGee, if you got this one, Matthew 6 and verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thy eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. So that's okay. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that be in thee be darkness, how great is that Darkness. In other words, your eyes are the window into your spirit. If they are enlightened with the light of, of the gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, your spirit and your soul and your body will be filled with that. But if you allow what passes the window of your eyes as evil, wickedness, amen, hellish, whatever you want to talk about, it's going to impact your spirit, your soul, and your body. What you do and what you think with your eyes amen talk, talk to people who have viewed things talk to men who have viewed things that they should not have viewed tell, let them tell you the story how many years they struggle with trying to get that out of their mind out of their spirit because the eye is a powerful thing what we behold with our eyes and this goes for all of us whenever it comes to the things that we bring into our homes what we watch on TV what we rent and bring into our house amen amen uh, we're coming up here in October on Halloween I admonish you be careful what you bring into your home all of the horror stories and scary music oh I love it, it gives me the adrenaline yeah but there are spirits that's associated with all that that you bring into your home too I can get adrenaline some other way. Amen. We got to be cautious. We got to be careful. But Brother McGee, everybody's doing it is the story I've always heard. Common and common. Common and common. Everybody's doing it. There might be other churches doing it. Common and common. <laughs> Number five. 
Number five, Ephesians 4.29. I'm going to bring this plane to a landing problem after this, maybe. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, that it may minister grace unto the corrupt communication. Corrupt communication. Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 5, if I may read. I'm trying to roll along here. This will be my last point here on number 5. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, notice the wording, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an adulterer hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, these other things that are being spoken in the context of Paul telling the Ephesian church, these other things, being spoken of in the context of Paul telling the Ephesian church that fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness should not once be named among them. He continues with those things and says that also in addition to these things that should not be named once among you as become a saints is filthiness, which if I can clarify as I go along here, obscenities, foolish talking, innuendos, particularly of the sexual context, jesting, off-colored, jokes dirty jokes inappropriate jokes and whenever he sums up the seriousness of these impure actions notice has people failed to fornication yes has people failed to uncleanness yes have they failed to covetousness yes but here is the dividing line when you take an impure action and make it a life practice okay because notice in verse 5 he then speaks in shifts from talking about an action to talking then about a person a whoremonger a whoremonger is a person that's made the action of fornication a life practice an unclean person is someone that has taken uncleanness an action of uncleanness and made it a life practice they do it again and again and again and again over and over amen a covetous man is one that has made covetousness a life practice so on and so forth and he says these are not people who've made just simple a simple one-time mistake or two-time however many you want to say but in these areas these people regularly practice these things and therefore they're identified by their actions they're a whoremonger because they are committing whoredoms uh-huh they're unclean because they're practicing unclean things repetitively over and over again. Paul says, and I stress this this morning, folks, and I do this with all the love of God that's in me, but Paul says, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because they've allowed all of these practices to become a way of life for them. Amen. Become a way of life for them. Listen jokes about any type of the marriage bed and sexual content desecrate God's holy institution of marriage which is what he intended to be the Bible says in Hebrews 13 4 marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge in reality sexual talk must be contained within the sacred relationship of the marriage 
um, I don't think it's proper for unmarried people to talk about sexual things. But with one another within the bond of marriage, I believe that is highly acceptable. Why is that? Because if your discussions seem to always want to center around that, that's a telltale sign about what's in your heart. Matthew 12, 34 tells us, Sister McGee, do you have that for me? Matthew 12, 34, the Bible says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out, everybody say the abundance. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I've always looked at the word in abundance. It's not just out of the heart, the mouth speaketh, but out of the abundance of the heart, the surplus. And this is filled and overflowing. If the only conversation you can have about is sexual innuendos and undertones, then you have a surplus of that going on in your heart. And so it's coming forth out your mouth. The Bible says in Luke 6, 45, it says a good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart is his mouth speaks. So if your mouth speaks in direct production of what's in your heart, if it's good, then there must be something good abiding in the heart. If it's evil, if it's impure, if it has to be risque, then there must be something of that nature in the language and conversation of your heart. How can we get, how can we, what can we do about it? Brother McGee, you can do Psalms 119 verse 11 about it. Thy word, David said, I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We talk about daily prayer, daily Bible reading. There it pops up again. If I want to keep my, my language pure and where it needs to be, that means my heart's got to be pure. And where it needs to be, but in order for that to happen, I got to take this word, hide it there, put it in my mind, in my spirit, put it there so that I might not sin against God. It's not the all cure, you'll never do it again, but there's a greater likelihood that you won't if you have it rather than if you don't. Someone say Amen. Stand with me this morning. Again, we're just hitting the tops of the trees. Amen. We're just trimming bushes here. As a result of this, we will continue this tonight. And I, I, I see a lot of people here this morning. <laughs> uh-huh. Please come back this evening. Because, you know, Brother Osborne said one time, he's talking about people can't be held accountable for what they don't know I agree with that and he said but I'm wondering sometimes if God's going to hold people accountable with what they had opportunity to go know meaning that whenever the doors are open to be there and what was spoken and said if they would take the opportunity to what they could know and folks again this is not bondage this is not anything like that you are protecting yourself you're protecting your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and let me tell you it's something to be protected in our society we're going to have to protect it that much more in our society we're going to have to protect it that much more if we can just bow our heads and thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.